0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I was talking about process and patience, and I missed the next Sunday, and Sean and I went out of town, and I'm going to finish it today. Had so many of you guys asking about that. And so we talked last time about process. We talked about process, how it's a series of actions that produce something or leads to a particular result, right? By the way... You should have notes in your service guide that you can follow along with. Also, I, I know you guys have been wondering for weeks. I believe the Wi Fi is working properly. And some of you are still getting used to the new Uversion app. If you want to throw that slide up for just a second there, just a second, Billy, you can follow along with the, the Uversion Bible app available on Android or, or, um, or iOS devices. And uh, you should be able to log right in. And you should be able to, uh, if you go to, uh, what is it, more and events. You should, uh, Church of the Harvest should pop up and you can follow right along with the notes from there. You can export it, you can add to the notes, whatever you want to do. But we're going to talk about process, a process of patience, I'm I'm sorry, a series of actions that produce something or lead to a particular result. And we were talking about how we live in a day and age in which we want instant gratification. We know what we want and we want it right now. And that's obvious by people like, like somebody who thinks they have a good voice. What's the first thing they do before they go get vocal training? They go try out for The Voice or they go try out for America's Got Talent or American Idol or something like that, right? Because they want that instant gratification. They don't want to have to do like everybody else in history has done and develop their gift and grow into that and and take steps. They want to instantly step into, you know, what they see as the ultimate dream, right? So uh, we want instant gratification. Nobody wants process. Nobody wants to take steps. Everybody wants that instant gratification. Uh, in like manner, we go through the process of life, processes of life physically, right? How many of you have gotten to the point in your life where you can recognize the signs that your body is getting a little older? <laughs> Things change a little bit, don't they? Not quite the same as they were when you were 19, 20, 25. Things begin to change a little bit because we go through the processes of life, Right? Our souls, as Christians, our souls are also in process. As Christians, we should be pursuing spiritual maturity, and that's a process. You're not going to get saved today and give your life to Jesus for the first time and all of a sudden look just like Jesus the next day, right? You walk it out. You're going to jack it up day after day after day, but you're going to make changes, and you're going to follow God's Word, and you're going to do what it takes to bring your life in line with what God's Word says and gradually, you're going to find yourself looking more and more like Jesus, right? Because it's a, a process. We read Jeremiah 64:8. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And remember we talked about that, how uh, God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house, and he said, and I'll speak to you there. So he had to go down, cross town to the potter's house, and we went through what the potter does. The potter, remember the seven steps? He starts off, he chooses the clay, goes down to the riverbank and finds just the right clay. Who is the clay? We are the clay. God chose us, right? Uh, second was the wedging. Remember, the wedging is where they, they work the air bubbles out. If you don't get the air bubbles out of that clay before you fire it, you're going to have a problem, right? So they, they put pressure on it and they, they push all those, um, all those air bubbles out. And then the process, it's called throwing. Well, whatever in the world they call it throwing, I'm not sure, maybe one of you can tell me, but this is where they actually put it on the wheel and actually begin to form something out of that lump of clay. And then the altering. This is where they come through and, and begin to add pieces to and take pieces off of. And they take the knife to it and they begin to cut designs into it and different things like that. Next comes the bisking. This is where it's put out in the sun. And this is the most fragile state. It's been worked on. It's been cut. It's been altered. And all these things, it's put out in the sun to dry, right? And then sixth comes the glazing. Where they come and they put that, that, whatever that is, they put on there to, to actually glaze it and give it its, its brilliance and its shine. And then lastly, they do what? They put the fire to it. And that's what actually strengthens it incredibly, right? So we are all in process, and that's what God compares this process. And he's talking to Jeremiah, and he's comparing the processes of our life to the potter and the clay. And we saw in God's Word how God is is referred to as the potter. Actually, um, the word that actually was translated potter here, is, is, refers to um, a, a creative ability. And it's one of the same words that was used to refer to God in the garden as he created man. He was the potter, right? He used his creative bil- ability and he created man. So we, we were talking about process, but I want to talk a few minutes about patience now. And patience is almost probably even more of a difficult word than process is for us sometimes. How many of you can just be, can be really honest and say that you struggle with patience. I should have like four hands up. <laughs> patience is tough sometimes. And this, this culture doesn't help, does it? We live in this technological age where we can look up anything in a second, right? You have a question that crosses your mind. You're like, oh, well, Siri, you know, how do you, you know, whatever it is. And we get the answer we want immediately to many of the questions of life, Right? Patience, I looked up the word patience as I always go to the dictionary first, and I felt like an idiot. You know why? Patience. And the dictionary says the act of being patient. I was like, it doesn't help anybody. So, of course, we've got to go to the root word. We've got to go to patience. Patient. And I thought this was really good. Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Yeah. Manifesting forbearance. Forbearance would basically mean dealing with a difficult person. You ever been there? (laughs) Or a difficult situation? Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. Not hasty or impetuous, or doing doing something quickly without thought. Not hasty or impetuous. Steadfast despite opposition. I'm sorry, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Being able or willing to bear. Doesn't that sound like fun? Patience. You just need to say it nasty. Patience. Ugh, Sounds like a nasty word, doesn't it? The New York Times in 2003, I read this article the other day. It said, everything in modern life seems to gear toward ever greater speed. Faster computers, faster internet access, faster microwave ovens, faster trains, faster bikes, faster cars, wider, straighter roads that allow us to drive even faster. Do you hold your hand on the microwave door while something is heating. I totally... And some, A few of the guys were over the other day, and I was going, come on. And I'm holding the microwave handle, and I thought, how, and I, I turned and I said that. I said, how ridiculous when we get impatient with a microwave oven, right? That's ridiculous. Some of us in here remember the days before microwaves, right? We live in an impatient age Wanting and trying to make everything and everyone everyone around us faster at a pace that only we dictate. Isn't that true? So again, how many of us struggle with patience? Traffic. We change our whole schedule depending on traffic. We take back roads and go 30 miles out the way to avoid traffic. About lines. The doctor's office. I told y'all when we, were going through the, when we were talking about changes physically, and I said I actually had to go see my dad's urologist last year for the first time. Wait in his office one time for four hours. That'll just ruin your day. Sometimes we struggle with patience with, maybe you're just waiting on retirement. Maybe you hate that job. And you were just patiently waiting on this thing to be over so that you can retire. Maybe waiting on a sermon to end. <laughs> Maybe you get impatient with your spouse. Anybody here guilty of being impatient with their children? Nah, nah, nah. You ever known someone who is, deals so poorly with patience or impatience that they can't stick with anything for any length of time? They start something and drop it because they get impatient. Start something and drop it. Can't ever get one thing done because they can't stick with it and, and see, it, see it through. It's funny. Believe it or not, Aaron has been coming to the gym with us. And uh, we've been giving him some little weights and little things to do. And he's been doing more cardio and, and different things like that. He's always wanted to come to the gym with us. So he's coming now. So he's been like three times at this point, maybe four. And he asked me yesterday, so, Dad, when are my muscles going to start getting bigger? like, yeah, that's the question. <laughs> I read a quote the other day. He said, my son, observe the postage stamp. Its usefulness depends on its ability to stick with one thing until it gets there. Is that not true? How many of you remember, how many of you remember the Karate Kid, the original Karate? I mean, the one with Will Smith's son was pretty good. But, but the original Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio and that whole... Man, there's like four hands. How sad. Am I that old? okay? Yeah, I get it. <clears throat> Daniel's son. Um, remember Mr. Miyagi sitting there trying to catch the fly with his chopsticks, and I, he finally does catch it, I believe, at the end, doesn't he? Finally catches the fly. But a couple different points in the movie, he's trying to catch that fly with chopsticks. Patience, man. I can't even hold chopsticks. Of course, we see Daniel walk in for the first time. Can I try? He's like, mm. and Daniel's like, grabs it the first time, and you know, I guess that's just the way it goes. But Having children definitely teaches us patience, doesn't it? Being married, having or being in a relationship teaches you patience, doesn't it? It's just dealing with people. We expect people to be patient with us, but we have a hard time being patient with others sometimes, don't we? Uh, another quote I read, talking about patience. One moment of patience may ward off great disaster, but one moment of impatience can ruin a whole life. Ever thought of that? Going through the process without going nuts requires patience. We're going to read for a minute. You can turn to Mark chapter 4. It is in your notes there. But uh, we're going to read about Jesus. Jesus, the parable of the sower for a minute. How many of you have ever planted a garden before? Take some patience, man. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, that's referring to time, right? Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, this is a process, right? First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time has come. So again, how many of you have planted a garden before? The first time I remember growing something, I was a little kid. I was, I I don't know, four or five. And um, I remember being at my grandmother's house on a summer day, sitting out on her picnic table, and we were eating watermelon and uh, cantaloupe. I wasn't eating cantaloupe. I was eating watermelon. She was eating cantaloupe. And I'm picking all these seeds out, right? And she, of course, cuts the seeds out of her cantaloupe. And I said something about, these seeds will actually grow into another watermelon, to another cantaloupe? And she's like, yeah. And she said, well, let's do it real quick, I thought. And so what did I do? Went with her. We went over to the garden, and we planted some watermelon seeds and some cantaloupe seeds. And, of course, every day I was over there, what was I doing? I was over there looking at that little speck on the ground where there was nothing, right? Months are going by, and there is nothing. And then I remember eventually I'd kind of given up, right? I'd kind of forgotten about the whole thing. And one day I remembered and ran over there. There's a little thing sticking up. So every day I come back and I check, and it's not any bigger, right? I forgot about it again because it took so long. And one day, I went over there, my grandmother said, you got to come see something. And I actually, I knew I had a picture, I had to dig through, but I found, she took me over and showed me the cantaloupe. And that's the first time I remember growing something and having to see the process. I look a little wide there, that's kind of weird. Uh, but but uh, I sat there and I held that cantaloupe. At the same time, I couldn't see, but over to the side, if I remember correctly, there was a watermelon and it was about that big. And I wanted to pick it. She's like, don't pick it. I want to pick it. No, don't, don't pick it. Leave it alone. Leave the watermelon alone. But the farmer, as we read there in Mark, uh, in Mark chapter 4, the farmer does what he's supposed to do, right? He plants the seed in a good spot, hopefully where there's sun and water, and he nourishes it. And it says the weeks go by and months go by. He doesn't understand exactly how it happens, but he slowly begins to see it grow. And if the seed was sown on good ground, in good conditions, it will bear fruit, right? A good farmer also, would also said in there, a good farmer knows when to harvest. He doesn't act hastily. He doesn't try too quickly to try and jump to the end product. He doesn't try and pick that thing too early. He knows to wait to the right moment until it's ready. It's patience, right? In the same way, talking about the process of our soul's We've got to keep planting God's word in the soil of our hearts, right? We've got to allow him to do a process in us. We've got to allow him to plant kingdom values in our lives. If we keep at it and we don't give up, then we too, we too will grow. This is the process, part of the process of sowing and reaping, right? Sowing and reaping is a biblical thing. It's a process that requires time requires patience. And how many of you know something I thought about in this? When you sow negative things, you reap negative things, right? Here's the funny thing. When we sow negative things, many times we, we reap negative things very quickly. How many of you know that when you sow <laughs> positive things, then it seems like it takes patience. You've got to wait to see, to reap those good things to come back. Does that make sense? I was thinking about this. You know, you can You can throw your marriage away. You can sow negative things in your marriage day after day and month after month and year after year. And have you know when the time comes you realize you're about to lose everything and you get your life right with the Lord and you start sowing good things in your marriage your wife going to treat you different that day? Guys? Many times you've got to sow those good things longer than you sowed the negative things. You've got to plant, and you've got to plant, and you've got to plant, and you will see fruit. You will see something come forth if you stick with it and you don't give up. But many times, sowing negative things, we see that quick result, but if we sow positive things, we've got to stop and we've got to be patient, and we've got to believe that we will see that end. I want to give you a couple things real quick, a couple points about patience. Firstly, patience requires trust in God. Patience requires trust. So, Jeremiah 29, 11, we read this last time, the graduation scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you graduated this year and got a graduation card that had that on it? (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We are pursuing a desired end. We're pursuing that future and that hope that God has for us. We are pursuing being a pleasing and acceptable vessel before the Lord, right? That's our desired end. But sometimes that road is longer than we thought it would be and a little more difficult than we thought it would be and there's a few more potholes along the road than we expected and we find ourselves, you may find yourself today standing in a place that doesn't look at all like what you felt God had for your life. But we've got to stop, and we've got to be patient, and we've got to be faithful, and we've got to live our lives as a worship before the Lord. And we've got to stand in faith and believe that He's going to get us to that desired end in our lives. He knows the plan He has for us, our future and our hope. Remember we talked for a minute last time on, uh, on David, and I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but they say that David was 10 to 13 years old when he was anointed king of all of Israel. He was brought in from the fields, right? And it, so he comes in. Samuel anoints him; he'll be the next king of Israel. Pours the oil over him, and then what's his dad say? Get back out there with the sheep, man. Go take care of him. He'd already been tropping sheep mess through the house and everything else. And what does he do? He heads back out there. He was 17 they believe, when he defeated Goliath. A few years went by, didn't they? Standing out there in the fields taking care of the sheep, king of Israel, right? They say he was 30 when he was appointed king of Judah, and he was 37 when he finally became king of all of Israel. From the point of being 10 to 13, he saw what God had for his life, the point of being 37 before he saw it fully fulfilled. Patience, isn't it? And that's what I was talking about, how, you know, what if he'd been told along the way, he had to go through a process if Samuel had anointed him and said, You will be king of all of Israel, but by the way, you're going to have to take out some lions and some bears and keep taking care of the sheep for a few years, and, and then you're going to have to take out a giant, and, and, and then the king's going to try and kill you multiple times, but you know, if you stick with it, you'll make it. You know, it'll, you know all these things, you know. He, he told him what to pursue, and he stuck with what God said. Does that make sense? Do we believe that God is who he says that he is? Do we believe that he will do what he says? He will do. Do we choose to believe Him and trust Him regardless of what our eyes see and regardless of how long it takes? Difficult sometimes, isn't it? Just, just being real, right? God always keeps His promises. We've got to trust Him. Proverbs 33, 5 says, Trust in the Lord, follow your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You might say, well, I've been believing for my child to come to Christ for years. I have prayed and I have prayed and I have stood and I don't see them any closer to God than I saw when I first started praying. It's been 15 years. You keep standing, you keep praying, you keep planning, you trust God, you be patient, right? I've been believing for a financial breakthrough in my life. I've been a giver, I've been a tither. I went through Financial Peace University. I gave to a homeless guy the other day. I don't see the breakthrough I'm believing for. You keep trusting God's Word, obeying it, following its principles, being faithful, trusting God and being patient, right? It doesn't change who God is just because in a moment or in a year or in two years, we don't see what God promised. We continue to stand and we continue to be patient in the midst of it all. I've been believing for healing for years. I've been standing on the healing scriptures. I listen to them every... Continue to stand It doesn't change who God is just because you haven't seen your breakthrough yet. Be patient. Trust Him. Continue to stand. Continue to believe. Follow His Word. And you'll see the breakthrough in your life. Amen? Number two, patience is a reminder that God's in control. I talked about this last time. (laughs) Patience is simply just recognition that His ways are higher than our ways. Patience is really a humbling thing in our life, isn't it? Patience is a humble reminder that God is in control. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that what Jesus said as he was in the garden? Sweating drops of blood. Patience is in the process. Understanding that Father knows best. Um, recognizing that we are in process inspires humility within us because we're acknowledging the fact that we haven't arrived. We're in process. We have a long way to go. And that is okay. Okay. Another thing I thought of, I thought of yesterday as I was going over this, remaining patient and trusting God, it neutralizes fear and anxiety in our life. If you deal with fear, if you deal with anxiety, just just try working on patience and trusting God. Those things will dissolve right in front of you. I'm gonna read for a minute from Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. Talk about neutralizing fear and anxiety the night before peter was to be placed on trial he was asleep patiently resting in his faith that god is in control right he's asleep can you imagine that they he actually was supposed to be executed it was a rigged trial he's asleep he's fastened with two chains between two soldiers Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Now you know he was sleeping if the angel had to strike him, right? Had to strike him. What's it like to get struck by an angel? I've heard touched by an angel, not struck by an angel. The angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell and following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. This opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and the angel suddenly left him. Now, Peter's on trial, so he's to be executed the next day. I can't believe he was doing anything but trusting God because he was asleep. Most of us will be sitting there awake, trembling in fear, I'm going to be executed tomorrow, right? His trust in God must have been pretty solid compared to the Peter that we, we saw a year or two before this. He's patient in the process, knowing that God knows best. And you know what else is interesting in this? Where does he follow the angel? Back into the city where the soldiers were. They were gonna execute him. That's trusting God a little bit, isn't it? He could have ran. He could have gotten away from Rome forever and not had to worry about those folks again. He was willing to walk through the process and trust God, wasn't he? We wait patiently on the Lord, doing things His way, and don't try and fight it We're acknowledging that He's in control. Third thing I want to give you real quick, patience allows for God's timing. This is huge. How many of you have struggled in your life with God's timing? You're like, Lord, man, Lord, come on, come on, Lord. <laughs> we struggle on through these times, right? Look at Habakkuk. If you know where Habakkuk is, I'll give you an extra minute. Search through and find it there. You can just read it off the screen. Um, the God's people are in captivity here. In Habakkuk in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 in the New Living again, it says, I will climb up my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Habakkuk had some questions. (laughs) He had some questions for the Lord about, you know, why are we in Babylonian or Chaldean, you know, captivity, right? And then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in the coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. You know that it will not be delayed at the end of it, the last thing he says? Isn't that kind of funny when just a few words earlier he said, if it seems slow, wait patiently? It will not be delayed, but wait patiently. It won't be delayed, wait patiently. Just wait, it won't be delayed. You know, most theologians agree that it it took at least 20 years for that word from the Lord to be fulfilled. 20 years. It won't be delayed. 20 years. Wait patiently, it will be fulfilled. How many of us in here have ever tried to rush God? Tried to jump into something that we weren't ready for because we thought it was Him. This is what God would want me to do. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was told in his 70s he'd be the father of many nations, right? God didn't move quick enough. He went in and had a little friendly visit with the handmaiden, right? Tried to hurry God up. Had a baby with the handmaiden. That didn't go over very well, did it? Ishmael. Finally, at 100 years old, Isaac is born, right? Joseph and his process. They say he was 17 when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Now, we don't know exactly how young he was when he had the dreams. He had dreams that his, brother bowed down, his brothers bowed down before him, right? At 17, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. At 30, 30, he interprets the dream for Pharaoh and becomes basically prime minister of Egypt, right? He was 39 when his brothers came and bowed down before him. 17 to 39, for he saw God's vision fulfilled in his life. Isn't that crazy? Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, everything there is a season, a time, for every purpose under heaven. We know that, we don't know how early Jesus knew exactly that he was the son of God. We know that at 12 he did, right? He knew exactly who he was. When did his ministry start? 30, he had a process to walk out. He realized that he had to live at home as a teenager and obey his mom and dad. I don't believe he was bossing his mom and dad around, right? He was having to get up in the morning and get to work in the family business and get schoolwork done and, and different things like that. He had to walk through the same processes of life that we do. And we know at 12, year, could you imagine if one of your children knew at 12 they were the son of God? <laughs> Most of our children would be like, See ya. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It'd be all over with. He had a process to walk out, didn't he? Last thing I want to mention there, number four, patience strengthens us. Patience strengthens us. I just started making a list. And obviously we got the three points I made previously. Patience requires trusting God. It's a constant reminder that he's in control and allows for his timing. I just started listing other things. Patience allows us to turn our talents into skills and our skills into achievements. How awesome is that? Patience helps us to empathize with others, accepting, accepting them right where they're at in their life, with even their flaws and imperfections. Patience keeps us from crossing over so easily to anger and stress. You know how many people die every day of heart attack and stroke? Because people are stressed, right? Impatient. Uh, recent research shows that angry people are 150 times more likely to get cancer than people who are considered more patient. 150 times more, uh, 150% more likely to get cancer. Patience results in better decision making, doesn't it? You take the time to stop Look at the big picture, assess the situation, weigh the pros and cons, and make a good decision, right? Patience helps us to understand and appreciate the process, because anything worthwhile takes time and effort to achieve, doesn't it? We tell our kids that, don't they? No, you're going to buy that because you'll appreciate it more if you spend your own money on it, right? But it's true, isn't it? It's true. It's true. Anything worthwhile takes time and effort to achieve. Rome wasn't built in a day. Planning, growth, evaluation, measurement, these things all take time and require patience. Patience strengthens our life, doesn't it? So in wrapping up, talking about patience, going back to process for a minute. Last time I gave you a few points about process. Patience in the process. And I told you a few things. I said recognize the process. We all find ourselves in a different place in the process in life. In our process, all looks different, doesn't it? We go through similar things that look a bit different. But we all find ourselves in a different place. Some of us find find ourselves in a place where maybe you've more recently given your life to Christ. And so you find yourself among the chosen. Remember the potter goes down to the river and he chooses the clay? You find yourself as a lump of clay in the potter's hand. And maybe you haven't informed too much yet. Maybe, maybe he hasn't gotten to the place of putting the fire to you yet or cutting away things. Maybe you're just now finding yourself in that place. Or you may be in a place in your life where it feels like you've had the fire put to you for a bit too long at this point. But we are all in process and we need to recognize that process. We've got to be encouraged and we've got to allow the potter to do his work in our life. Because God's Word promises that He will complete it if we allow Him to. Amen? So, recognize the fact that you are in process in your life. Second thing I mentioned last time was trust Him in the process. And these, I know these kind of line up with patience. Um, you know, trusting Him, it's easy to trust Him when everything looks good. Our life, we're just trucking along and everything's hunky-dory and, and we're happy and and you know we don't have any major need in our life, and and you know haven't yelled at our spouse lately, and you know everything seems pretty good. But can we trust him in those moments when things are really hard, and we don't understand what's going on, and we're not even sure where God went? We're looking around, Lord, are you still here? Are you still there? And what we do is we find that He's right there, right? But sometimes. Sometimes we've got to allow Him to walk us through the process, right? He doesn't always deliver us out of the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes He takes our hand and walks us through it. And we have to walk all the way through from one end to the other. And it stinks, doesn't it? We've got to believe in the purpose that God has for us. And God's growing things in us in the process. Sometimes we think we can't be in God's will because things aren't going good for us. Remember I mentioned Jesus Was Jesus in God's will as he hung on the cross? Absolutely was. People were spitting in his face and putting stripes on his back. He was 100% in God's will. That's tough to hear, isn't it? But maybe it helps us to understand a little bit about our tough times. Our tough times aren't quite like that. Thank you, Jesus. Who would Jesus become? He would become the Redeemer the Lamb of God, the risen King, the one who held the keys to death, hell, and the grave. What did He have to go through to get there? It was a hard road, wasn't it? Do we believe what God says? Is He who He says He is? Last thing I want to mention, number three, that I mentioned last time was submitting to the process. And this is the hard part. This is submitting to the process and being patient. Too many times, We try and fight God. We try and do things in our own way, in our own strength. Remember I talked about last time about trying to get a splinter out of your kid's foot? How many of you have done that? Had them squirming, screaming, squirming, you know, like just be still. Many times it doesn't even hurt, right? But the moment you show that needle, it's all over, right? I think many times that's the way we live our lives before God. We won't submit to His process. We won't be patient. And so we hurry up and we try and do things in our own strength. And we try and help God out along the way. Like He needs our help, right? We try and help Him out. And we end up in a bigger mess than we were to begin with. How many of you have been there? Yeah. you got to submit to that process. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to Him. He will make your path straight. Our process, our patience in the process, is a form of submission. And really, that's what the Christian walk is all about. It's about submission. It's about submitting to him and saying, not my way, but your way. It's not about me. It's all about you. Isn't that what it means to give our life to Jesus? It means to surrender. It means I give up. I'm not going to rush things anymore. I'm not trying to try and do things my own way. I'm not going to do things in my own strength. I give up. I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to do what you say. I'm not going to be swayed to the left or the right. I'm going to stand firm in this. That's when we begin to see growth in our lives. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed, I would ask you Are you growing in the Lord? Can you recognize the place in the process that you are at right now? You may have come a long way, or like I say, you may be newer on this road, on this path. But are you growing? Are you seeking spiritual maturity? Are you submitted to Him no matter what happens in your life? I remember a lady in our church a number of years ago, I think I've mentioned this before, but I asked her how she was doing one time before service. She started crying in front of me. One of her kids was away from the Lord and she was struggling in her marriage and and she was coming to church by herself and and she just started crying in front of me and she starts telling me these things and she was just broken and I was sitting there at 23 or 24 years old not knowing what in the world to tell this woman because I hadn't walked through a lot of those things. And I was going, Lord, help me. Give me the right words to speak to her. And before she gave me a chance to speak, she changed her words. She said, but, she goes, I know who my God is. She said, I trust him. And she said, I'm going to stand firm on his word. And she said, and even if I don't see any of these circumstances right now, even if I don't see them change, it changes nothing. It doesn't change who my God is. And that took me back. I, I, I hadn't conceived such a thing. What, what if years don't go by and I don't see what God's promised happen? I still trust him? Is he still who he says he is? Will I stand firm? Am I still submitted? There's the true test. Will we submit to the process? And will we patiently wait on the Lord in the midst of it all? I would ask you, do you have a desire to please God with your life? If you've submitted your life to Him, there's going to be some kind of desire in there. You're going to want to serve God. You're going to want to please Him. You're going to want to live according to His Word. And with that said, if you're sitting here and and you find yourself in that place, you go, you know what, I've been doing my own thing so long that I, I just don't even have the desire in me but I want the desire. That's enough. I would encourage you if you're in that place today to surrender your life to Jesus. We're going to pray together in a moment. You're going to say, Lord, I'm I'm not doing things my way anymore. I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to submit to your process and your way and not my own. Or you may have never given your life to Christ before. You know what? Then this is the best day of your life. You can make that decision right now. You can surrender, submit to Him. The Bible says everything changes. You become a new creation. All things become new. every head bowed, if that's you, nobody looking around and you would say, you know what? I've got to surrender my life to Him today. I'm tired of doing things on my own. If that's you, lift your hand and let me see. Who would say I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? Who needs to get their life right? Amen. We're going to pray together. The Bible says all you have to do is mean these words with your heart. The words are really irrelevant, it's your heart that matters. Submitted and surrendered, trusting that God has your best interest in mind, that He has a future and a hope laid out for you. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I'm so lost, doing things my own way. I can't make it without you. Jesus, today I make you Lord of my life. I believe that you came by your own choice, and you gave your life for me. You laid it down in my place so that I could live. I surrender my life to you today. I will follow you to the end. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to do all that you've called me to do. I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every person that made that decision. And I thank you, Lord, that Your promises are true. And you're faithful. You do have plans for us. And it's a plan, it's plans for future, for a future and a hope. Lord, I pray for those among us today that feel so lost. They may maybe can't see a future and maybe don't feel any hope right now. let Just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just invade their hearts and lives right now. That peace that surpasses all understanding. Holy Spirit, You're the comforter. Do Your work in Jesus' name. Lord, help us along the way to recognize the process and to be patient in every step we take. Recognizing that nothing in the process changes who You are. Nothing in our environment, nothing that we see, nothing that we experience changes who You are. You're our solid rock. You're our firm foundation. And we stand on you. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.